the voice of Ahlus Sunnah wal Jama'ah. Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Business Matters. Alhamdulillah. Assalamu alaikum. It's Monday, Monday night. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to Business Matters with me, your host, Alameen Templeton. Ah, yes. Well, there's that rousing nazam going on again, getting me going, getting the blood going, heart pumping. Alhamdulillah. Well, another day has gone by. Another dollar earned, another dinar earned, another day, another dinar. Well, coming up in the show, why we should support Ace Magashule on his call for quantitative easing in South Africa. Yes, I've uh, put the report up. It's on, uh, it's on uh, Marcus Harbour website. You can go and read it at your leisure. Um, I'll be doing so uh, for the show uh, as to why South Africa should embark on some quantitative easing. Why, if the Americans and the Europeans are allowed to throw trillions of dollars and euros at their economy and enjoy the largesse thereof without their, without their currencies um, becoming uh, completely devalued, that should be the logical consequence. Uh, well, why can't we do the same for ourselves? Wouldn't be a bit like uh, going to a gunfight with a knife? Yeah, okay. Well, after that, if we have time, Steinhoff and Techie Town. Um, Techie Town uh, shareholders who took Steinhoff to court last year uh, now want Marcus Euster uh, uh, added uh, to the case. Uh, they believe that uh, adding Marcus Euster to the case will force Steinhoff to go after Marcus Euster, and from then on, uh, creditors can start getting their money back out of the furniture retailer. Air pollution in Pumalanga, worst in the world, says Greenpeace. Uh, we'll be having a look at that a little bit later. Tonga shares have been suspended on the JSE today. Suspended till October at least. That's why, um, that's why uh, auditors from um, PricewaterhouseCoopers uh, go through the results with a fine tooth comb to try and find out to just how much uh, results have been overstated. Tonga indulging in a bit of uh, property valuation fudging, much like uh, Steinhoff did um, before its share price came tumbling down in a precipitous uh, a fall, and it has not been not recovered. It was 95 rand a few years ago. Now it's on like 1 rand 34, I think was the price today. Multi-choice is bullish on its, um, on its operational profits, but not its overall profits. Um, well, we did, we did warn that um, what with NASPAS unbundling, unbundling multi-choice and leaving it off to float on its own on the JSE, while at the same time planning a trillion rand plus um, listing uh, on an Amsterdam exchange means that basically um, the Brudebont is heading off, uh, leaving South Africa behind. I suppose now we can call them Dutchmen again. If they're no longer Afrikaners, they're leaving Africa. Uh, the Dutchmen are leaving, uh, going back to Amsterdam. I want to uh, take their trillion rand from their 10 cent investment a few years ago. Take a trillion rand and go and start a big uh, IT company in Europe. Well, isn't that very nice? They say, no, men, no, men. Um, uh, there, there's just too much. It's, it's distorting valuations on the JC, brew. No, this uh, 10 cent choice is just too much money here on the JC. It's like, a, you can't like if you get valuation and comparisons anymore. Um, so now we've decided that we're going to take it all and going to take it to Europe. You know, like imagine um, uh, a mother of a house deciding, okay, we're going to we're going to bake a cake, and they're getting some of the ingredients. She puts too much flour in, then she realizes, oh no, I put too much flour in. We're going to put some more in there. Now this cake just starts getting bigger and bigger and bigger. To eventually, you got this huge big cake. It's just too big for the whole family to eat. So instead of saying, okay, well, let's just divide it up uh, fairly amongst everyone here, 
Instead, uh, the mother of the house decides, oh, well, now I'm going to take this big cake. I'm going to take this cherry on the top of the cake and I'm going to leave it here on the table for the family and we're going to give the rest of the cake away to the neighbors. What would the family think of the mother? They would say, that's not fair, mom. That's not the way to do it. You're just leaving us with this little cherry. It's rapidly wilting uh, in the sun uh, while the neighbors uh, across the way uh, have nothing to do with producing this cake are going to be eating everything. Well, essentially, that's what's happening with uh, um, uh, Nospaus deciding to take over Tullian Rands and invest it in Europe. Isn't that what's happening? No, 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 it's just too big for South Africa. No, we must take it somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, 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 Budgi. Wants cake for you. We're watching you. Google warns White House about Huawei ban. Yeah, uh, Google has suddenly realized, hey, you know what? Um, uh, not allowing um, Huawei to uh, share in any more uh, Android updates means that, uh, you know, people aren't going to want to buy your Huawei phones because, uh, well, you know, uh, they don't get Android updates. They don't get the latest brain for their smartphone. Android is basically the brain that switches everything on and keeps everything talking. Well, now it turns out that Huawei is actually going to be able to um, just, uh, you know, uh, put together their own uh, sort of Android version and put it onto their phones. Well, what will that mean? Well, that'll mean that people, um, you see, there are countries that are again going to go with Huawei and countries that are basically going to go with Apple uh, in uh, or Samsung in the near future. Uh, within the next year, the world is going to be divided between a Huawei world and a non-Huawei world. And the non-Huawei world is not going to get 5G. Mm, yeah, But the Huawei guys are going to be indulging in 5G like this year and uh, like next year already. They're going to get a major leap uh, in uh, opportunity. The Greenfield's advantage, blue sky opportunity, they call it. Uh, and that means that you know half the world is not going to be using Google. That means that Google uh, will not be getting uh, sharing in any of the kind of like, um, you know, uh, d uh, d traffic volumes uh, that they would be sharing because everyone would be using their Android updates. Now they're going to be Huawei with the Huawei's new updates. And that means that, uh, you know, you don't get Google, you don't get Chrome. Uh, Chrome doesn't, isn't able to like sort of say, well, we've got these websites, we can control these people. And Google will no longer be the biggest in the world. So anyway, they're not going to complain to the White House and they know there's all kinds of security concerns are coming up as a result of this. And we can't go ahead. Um, a drug maker instance therapeutics has filed for bankruptcy protection in the United States amid mounting exp expenses driven by a U.S. Justice Department probe into claims that pay doctors to bribes to prescribe a powerful opioid medication. I know that uh, opioids and painkillers and painkiller abuse isn't a problem only in the United States. So if we have time in the show, we'll be getting into that issue as well. But first of all, why we should support Ace Magashule's call for South African quantitative easing. Now, you know what quantitative easing is, right? That's where um, the Reserve Bank uh, goes and uh, buys a whole lot of bonds back from, uh, from the banks, uh, therefore giving support for the banks to go and basically buy uh, government bonds for free. So that means that the government is able to sell its bonds uh, the banks have got a whole lot of cash that they can then invest in the wider economy. Uh, the way it has happened, though, people call it, um, the, 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 this happened uh, when you had the beautiful credit crunch after the United States' um, uh, $1.3 trillion worth of corruption. 
Yeah, yeah, let's call it for what it is, corruption. Uh, when they issued a whole lot of fraudulent uh, loans uh, to lo- the low-income housing sector in the United States from about uh, 2005 to about uh, uh, re- towards the end of 2008. Over 1.3 trillion rands worth of unaffordable home loans were issued in the United States. And now there's more than a trillion homes that are lying uh, repossessed in the United States with no one living in them. More than an- another million houses, uh, housing projects stopped halfway through. Um, uh, the consequences still continue riding across the United States. But in the, in the wake of all of that, in order to try and keep the economies alive, um, uh, the United States and the European Union then embarked on multi-trillion dollar um, bailouts uh, for the economy, which in actual fact has just amounted to bailouts for billionaires. Uh, the big companies, the big stock exchanges uh, have continued doing well while consumers in these economies are facing ever harder and harder times. That's as growth is refusing to take off in these economies and quantitative easing has continued. Well, most especially, more importantly, the money has not been paid back. So now here, Ace Magashule causes all kinds of trouble here in South Africa when he announces, no, the ANC is going to be embarking on broadening the Reserve Bank's mandate in South Africa to enable quantitative easing here in South Africa. That means you can kind of like see, well, we're going to spend billions and billions of rands. We can issue a trillion rands with the quantitative easing. Why not? How about the South African economy? If uh, the rand isn't going to fall through the floor as a result, just like as the United States and Europe, why not do it in South Africa? Well, you know, given our political class as it is, I can well imagine that many people would be saying, but we're just going to be throwing um, trillions of rands to gangsters, as we've already seen with the Madupi and Kasusile and multi-billion rand uh, projects here in South Africa. Uh, very little actually trickles down into in towards wider economic benefits. And, uh, well, basically... A, a, a um, elite little um, suicide squad, I suppose, in terms of the economy, are basically committing suicide by putting money into these people's hands. So why on earth, Alamine, would you suggest that we go ahead with it here in South Africa? Well, in order to uh, give you uh, an explanation, first of all, I'd like to read a, a quote that was written by Ed Stoddard in the Daily Maverick uh, about uh, Ace Magashule's call. It was this is just a pull quote out of it. It's not the full story. It's just one quote out of it. Ed Stoddard said last week, South Africa as an emerging market is probably not in a position to begin quantitative easing. To be honest, there is an element of discrimination at play here. When the European Central Bank or the Bank of Japan embark on such a path, it is labeled quantitative easing. When a developing economy tries something similar, it is seen as printing money, pure and simple. A last resort of a banana republic. That may not be entirely fair, but there you go. Mm. So I say, why Ace Magashule's call for South African quantitative easing should be supported. Quantitative easing is a fraud. The US Fed and the European Central Banks are printing money. The dollar and the euro are intrinsically worthless. Presently, the world's mature, stagnating economies, the US, the EU and Japan, are are being allowed to get away with it. But this is coming at enormous cost to the rest of the world. They are ripping up the fabric of a multilateral world in the pursuit of depraved short-term interests, in the desperate attempt to shore up privileged access to foreign markets and products that are a legacy of the colonial period. They not only want the privilege to continue, 
They want to pay for that privilege by simply printing worthless money. Yes, as Stoddard stab at white man honesty in the above quote notes, there is an element of discrimination at play here. White nations must be allowed to print money without question, while darker nations must not. With them, it is a matter of sophisticated monetary experimentation. With us, it's just a Mugabe option, a grubby money grab that cannot be countenanced. But the latter is the truth. Quantitative easing has been described as bailouts for billionaires because the money doesn't reach the retail level. It doesn't reach ordinary people. And the motivations for Magashule's proposal are probably just as venal as those of the bankers in the US and the EU who first proposed the policy. A safari quantitative easing would probably be just as elitist as anything washing about in the stagnating economies. But the lie that it is, is something that will not be confessed until the veracity is exposed when everybody starts to do it. So, the sooner we start doing it, the better. This scam needs to come to an end sooner rather than later because it is not a victimless crime. The upshot of current quantitative easing is consumers in emerging markets like South Africa are being forced to shoulder the obligations the labor aristocracy, that is the consumer army in stagnating economies, should be carrying. Principal among these is a higher interest rate burden. The QE tools w- works via central banks creating money to buy government and corporate bonds from banks, giving them cash to lend to the real economy. Driving up demand for bonds raises their price, causing the yield or interest rate to fall, which has the effect of slashing borrowing costs for the government, business and households in the stagnating economies. This has caused a search for higher interest rates in other economies, like South Africa, for instance. The upshot is that emerging market consumers are being tied into macroeconomic agreements. These attract portfolio flows into their economies, propping up their trading balances but forcing them to maintain a higher interest rate set higher than the conditions in their domestic markets warrant. So we in South Africa are struggling under a repo rate of 6.75%. Our last repo rate hike, ostensibly to fight inflation, occurred last year in November just after we'd slipped into recession after two successive quarters of negative growth. That hardly meets the overheating conditions usually requiring a hike to cool down an economy. The real reason we in South Africa hiked rates, putting aside all of our reserve banks posturing and spluttering, was in anticipation of an expected U.S. Fed rate increase that duly came in December when the U.S. Fed lifted U.S. interest rates to 2.75%. In other words, control of the economy, or our ability to affect it, has been taken from our hands. We in South Africa must endure higher interest rates, irrespective of our spending habits. No matter how disciplined we are, our efforts at curbing our spending habits will have no effect. Our interest rate will shadow U.S. rates, irrespective of their consumers' actions as well. The stagnating economies of the US, the EU and the UK and Japan since the credit crunch of 2008 have issued, at a conservative estimate that ignores other stimulus programs, well over $7 trillion in quantitative easing money. $7 trillion in quantitative easing money. This is money that they are showing no intentions of repaying, neither are they showing any ability to do so. The UK has issued £345 billion since 2008. 
The European Central Bank has pumped about $3 trillion into the continental economy using QE. However, much like George Bush's Mission Accomplished proclamation in Iraq transpired to be premature, so too did the European Central Bank's QE program turn out to be nothing more than wishful thinking when it said it was going to cut back. By April this year, it was back on stimulus. The U.S. has printed over $4 trillion of QE money since 2008. As the Guardian newspaper mentioned faintly in May, the measures were designed for an emergency, yet still remain in place today, with the proceeds from any maturing bonds immediately used to fund more QE purchases. However, the fact that it has not been stopped and that rates remain close to zero indicate that the policy has not worked. As Andrew Sentence, an MP on the Bank of England's Monetary Policy Committee, who helped put together the quantitative easing superstructure, says, the real problem we have with the economy is that it, quantitative easing, hasn't turned out to be an emergency measure. It's turned out to be the status quo. In other words, the world's stagnating economies have not reversed the process. They flushed the system with cash as an emergency measure, but they have not reversed the process. They have not withdrawn the money from the system. They have not repaid the money. In other words, they have been allowed to print money for free and to get away with it. Quantitative easing has turned out to be a scam. I would say that it always was intended to be a scam. Any idiot could see. It is an unprecedented experiment to use another mainstream banking economist euphemism that has not worked. The time has come back to pay the money, to pay the money back. And that is not going to happen anytime soon. And that is why Magashule's call for a quantitative easing safari in South Africa needs to be supported. What's good for the goose is good for the guinea fowl. If they can do it, we can do it. And we'd be damn fool not to. It would be like going to a gunfight with a knife. Voters in the reservoirs of the world's labor aristocracies are not going to, invo- are not going to vote for higher interest rates. They're not going to say the dollar and the euro are worthless. That is our job. Right. Well, there you go. There's the article for you written, and it's there. You can go read it at your leisure on the website. I'm busy with a whole lot of other stuff as well, uh, because this quantitative easing uh, issue has got so many other issues about it. Um, Most importantly, that the world's stagnating economies, having reached such a big base, are finding it difficult to continue growing. So they're growing at sort of 0%, 1%, 2% while emerging market economies grow at 16, 17, 8, 10%, you know, far faster. That means that we are catching them up. Them up. China uh, is already bigger than Europe, European uh, Union combined, second biggest economy in the world, soon going to be taking over the United States. And this is something that is threatening the world power balance. In fact, it's a major challenge to the world's security balance. And it is something that just cannot be countenanced in places like Washington and Brussels and London and Frankfurt and Paris. The darker-skinned people should start walking around the corridors of power that have usually been the preserve of bankers and politicians and, of course, uh, colluding businessmen. Yeah, that now suddenly the Chinese can walk into the European Union and start saying, well, you want a loan? Well, you know, you're going to have to start um, uh, reorganizing uh, your uh, economy according to ways that we in China would like to see. That is something that the Europeans and the Americans have become accustomed to. 
for many years, for many decades, since World War II, when we're supposedly world to a world of, uh, of equal power, of equality, of uh, no discrimination, where uh, every nation has its right at the international table to affect the way in which the world economy goes, to affect trade issues, to, affect, to, to ensure that everything is free and fair. Mm. Well, that always was a scam. And uh, it's something that uh, the, the, the stagnating, mature economies have uh, played with adroitness, uh, with finesse, uh, and in many ways they've ensured that their privileged position at the table has remained secure. Uh, but as Russia and China have uh, continued growing, and as the credit crunch and the demographic um, drag on um, white nation growth has resulted in the need to import labor, has re resulted in uh, human trafficking, has resulted in the war on terror, in fact, uh, which is in actual fact, it's, it's just an asset grab. It's just a resources grab. It's an oil grab. It's an oil war. They continue. They continue while saying they're fighting for democracy. They continue supporting all the dictators around the world. We see it in Saudi Arabia, all over Arabia. Um, they, want to, they, want, they want to reintroduce the Shah into Iran, one, one, one presumes. Uh, while the Republic of Iran, which America is also supposed to be a republic, should be more suited to uh, the American tastes, if the American tastes were for real. But of course they're not. And that is why the Americans would like to see a Shah back in Iran, just as much as they'd like to see a king in Arabia and a Khalifa in Qatar and a, you know, a Sultan in Brunei and all these other different places. Uh, they're not fighting for democracy. They're trying to ensure that they can put a puppet back in power uh, who will acquiesce and allow American and European companies into their economy, giving privileged access to oil contracts and so on. That's the whole reason why they're doing it. And uh, as the world continues growing, so the world is increasingly becoming more and more reluctant not to allow this privileged access, to start managing their own economies according to the interests of the people living there, much like we've been trying to do here in South Africa, uh, but we've been unable to. Yeah, in South Africa, we've been unable to come up with an alternative situation an alternative to neoliberalism, an alternative to the structure, to the system that we have that is based on the nuclear family model, that is based on us um, pushing our children out of the households in the, into the factories so that before they've even got an idea of who they are or how to put a house together, they're in debt to the bank, they've got a mortgage, they've got a car loan they cannot afford, and at the same time they don't, they're supposed to try and send the kids to school, put clothes on their back, and, uh, and also, of course, have a nice house uh, with nice neighbors in a nice neighborhood. We all like to dream about that, don't we? But, of course, it's a fool's dream. It's the prodigal dream. It's the dream... It's the dream of nations who are used to exploiting uh, their workers. It's a, it's a dream of nations who are accustomed to more than 2,000 years of a 1%, 99% divide, where 1% ends up holding the vast majority of the resources in the economy, and the 99% uh, try and get by according to that mortgage model that we've just described.
How can we turn it around? Hmm. Well, one way will be to, you know, go and issue quantitative easing here in South Africa. Because until such time as we get a new system up and running in the country, we're, we're fighting on a back foot. Uh, there's just no ways that our economy can compete when uh, America is able to, like, uh, inject $4.5 trillion worth of stimulus into its economy. $4.5 trillion worth of stimulus. You know, um, after 1994, uh, the South African Reserve Bank was facing a major problem. And that was, it was sitting with uh, around about $25 billion worth of slush money on its books. It had built up this uh, slush fund uh, funding uh, the uh, arms embargo against South Africa uh, in terms of... um, getting money into the economy in terms of funding uh, death squads, going over to Sweden and Europe, Dulce September, the uh, Prime Minister of Sweden. Um, People were being murdered. Um, Dirty funds were needed in order to get uh, killer weaponry into South Africa to keep the apartheid government going. All of this needed money to go overseas for trades to be made, and all of this was happening when the international credit lines to apartheid had been cut off. So what the Reserve Bank did was it went uh, and found uh, cooperative banks in the United States and Europe and around the world and said, look, well, what we'll do is we will guarantee you profits on the forward uh, trades um, on the South African rand. Because we are basically the value maker in the market as the Reserve Bank, because we have exchange controls here in South Africa, uh, that means that uh, any moves that we make in the forward market is accepted as um, as cut in stone. So if we uh, sell you um, rand at a loss, we can guarantee you at a future date we will enable you to buy this money back at a major profit. So that's how they did it. Instead of uh, guarantee them uh, payment, they guaranteed them future profits. And the international bank said, well, that's very nice, and they, they cooperated. Uh, so it was very nice, you see. Um, Chris Stoltz was able to get these agreements while he was still uh, part aid's banker. And uh, then he ensured that it would be paid off while Nelson Mandela was the president of the country. Isn't that very nice? It's a real, very clever way of going about things. But anyway, the upshot of it was we had $25 billion uh, worth of slush funds are on the Reserve Bank's books, and the Reserve Bank had to get rid of it. And who's the, who got rid of it? None other than Tito Mbaweni. That was his first big job to do when he took over the Reserve Bank in 1998. And by around about 2003, the vast majority of it had uh, disappeared off our books, thanks to the, reserve, um, uh, the RAND tanking through the floor to uh, around but nearly 15 RAND to the, to the dollar in those years. Uh, and that was a major trauma for us, but it did prepare us for these years, you see. It's all an education process, getting uh, getting the sheeple uh, accustomed to the strains and pains of keeping the 1% uh, in that uh, standard of life and living that they are accustomed to. Well, we're uh, coming up to halfway through the show. Going to have to go for a quick commercial break. Please don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. The voice of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah, Marcus Sahaba Online Radio, Business Matters.
Assalamu alaikum. Well, remember, if you want to call in, give us your view on these issues. Should we should we give a trillion dollars to our politicians, a trillion rands to our politicians? Why not make it five trillion rands? I mean, come on. Look, you know what? Uh, you can give us a call on 10 Let me say that again. 10 yeah, that's our telephone number, but maybe a little bit shy, and uh, you'd rather share us your views uh, on, on WhatsApp. Our WhatsApp number is 084-786-3132. 084-786-3132. So, yeah, now, uh, so as we were saying before the break, $25 billion. Uh, it took us uh, nearly five years to pay to pay that off, and our, our ran like fell through the floor in that period. Hmm. 20, that's just $25 billion. Now, a trillion dollars is a billion, is a thousand billion, and a billion is a thousand million. So, a trillion dollars is a million million dollars. It would take you 11 and a half days to count to a million if you could stay awake all that time. If you could stay awake for 11 and a half days non-stop, counting aloud, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 19, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, it would take you at least 11 and a half days to count to a million if, if you could count non-stop. So it would take you 11 and a half thousand days to count to a million. Uh, yeah, so you to, uh, in, in order to count to a billion. Uh, and uh, it's... It's probably physically impossible, in fact, to count to a billion non-stop. Uh, so, yeah, that'll give you an idea of just how much money you're talking about. So, when America is throwing $4.5 trillion at its own economy, it's given itself like a huge big boost, you know. It's like it's, it's on Gorana, it's on uh, all kinds of uh, stimulants um, uh, and, and drugs. And it, it's, it's, it's completely crazy. Whereas we are supposedly trying to compete against them in international markets. And at the same time, the interest rate is like 0%. And it's not like this is a consequence of, uh, of quantitative easing. Although it's, yeah, it is a consequence of quantitative easing, but it is a feature of the economy. It's an essential feature of the economy because the interest rates were already uh, down in the basement before. They they embarked on quantitative easing. Alan Greenspan's um, uh, irrational years of exuberance, years of irrational exuberance, were the hallmark of that period was the low interest rates that they had to carry. But now the United States is supposed to be the indispensable economy in the world. If it is so indispensable, why does it have to have interest rates that are so low if it is growing so strong? Hmm. It's because it's able to export its interest rate obligations. And it's exported to countries like us. And we're the schmucks. Uh, because our, our, our government can continue um, buying expensive technology from overseas, put it into like Madupi and Kosile, uh, an absolute waste of money. But nevertheless, money goes out of our economy. After all of the years, we've only got 4 million ounces of gold in our reserve bank. And the, the, I think that's um, um, uh, like maybe like, well, like maybe we've got five tons of gold in our reserve bank, you know. Like uh, Germany has got like three hundred tons of gold, and we produced our South African gold mines produced 
more than half of all of the gold that has ever been produced in the entire history of human civilization, or lack thereof. In the entire human history, we, our country, produce half of all the gold that has ever been produced, and we've only got 4 million ounces of gold, a paltry, tiny, minuscule little amount of gold in our reserve bank. That goes to show you, like, uh, there is something seriously wrong with our economy and the focus of our economy and the balance of our economy. And that's why I'm saying we need to support Ace Magushule. It is a crazy notion. And of course, it's, it's been, um, has been suggested uh, by people who want to get a hold of money, want to have BMWs and so on. And of course, uh, they don't, don't want those BMWs next year because then everyone else got next year's BMWs. Yeah, the burqa, there's no burqa in the money. There's not, there's not going to be any real benefits uh, for the economy coming out of quantitative easing in South Africa. Just as much as there hasn't been any real benefit coming out of Europe or the UK or the United States. Um, it hasn't caused growth to pick up in any way whatsoever. Growth is still as moribund as it was. The United States sure has gone up to 2.5% uh, growth rate, but in actual fact, that's, uh, that is still a, path a pathetic growth rate in comparison to the amount of money that's been put into the economy. And what's going to happen to their growth rate when they start paying it back, as is their obligation? Are they going to start paying it back once they've got onto a firmer footing? But as we heard from that uh, Guardian quote, it, that firmer footing hasn't happened. It is not working. The economy is, is still as much in the doldrums as it was in 2009, a year after the credit crunch. They cannot afford to start um, uh, paying that money back because their economy is still bankrupt. The bankrupt economy issued itself a loan, and that doesn't make sense because the economy was bankrupt in the beginning. So it gave it did nothing, but what it did do is it prevented the rest of the world from saying, ah, 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 ah. we don't want your, your payments in your rubbish uh, currencies, we want the payment in our currencies. This is what is supposed to be happening, and it is not happening, because at the moment the world is still uh, stuck in a bit of a spot, isn't it? What happens if we do admit that the United States and the European Union are bankrupt? What is going to happen? What is going to happen? The whole world trading environment is going to throw, be thrown into complete chaos. But as we see at the moment, as this trade war between China and the United States starts taking on an uh, ever darker hue, as the mutterings and the implications start looking far more serious than they were in the beginning, so it would appear that the world's trading um, environment is going to be thrown into chaos anyway. And it's been led by a guy with long blonde hair and a ridiculous red tie in the White House in the United States. The United States is no longer a source of global stability in the world. The United States is no longer a source of global leadership in the world. Now, the people that are following the United States are people like Ace Magoshule. And the United States needs to be shown up for what it is by saying, Ace, you go for it. Go for it. Go and show the United States what it is. Because the United States is not going to be able to accept an Ace Magasuli coming along and starting to issue quantitative easing trillions of rands and going to live in the high life and um, uh, going and buying up half of New York when property prices are depressed. They're not going to be. They will not. They will not. The, the, the white racism is so deeply ingrained, as Donald Trump has so 
assuredly shown the rest of the world how his uh, his little tweets on Twitter have resulted in a veritable army of white racism, a, a tide of white racism to come surging to the fore, and it's showing no signs of abating in any way whatsoever. Now suddenly black people across the world are looking horrified as white people start trumpeting the same racist nonsense that was supposedly dead and buried for more than 50 years. Suddenly you've got Nazis in Berlin again. Suddenly you've got Nazis in Berlin again. Suddenly the unquestionable, the never again, has happened again. Yeah, Nelson Mandela said never, never and never again here in South Africa will it be allowed to happen. Well, let's try and hold, hold that true, at least in this country. Let's not have uh, the barbarians of Nazism and white racism allowed to, be get away, to get away with it. That is why we need to support Ace Magashule. That's why we need to start printing quantitative easing trillions here in South Africa as well. And maybe we can sort it out around a little bit differently so that we can let it uh, wash down onto a retail level in some ways. Hmm? Maybe we need to stop or start a whole lot of VBS banks. Every little suburb in South Africa needs to have a VBS bank. And um, the banks will get money from, uh, from the... Um, from the Reserve Bank, and then uh, the banks will secretly uh, delve all of that money out to its shareholders and the mistresses of the shareholders, and, uh, you know, nice banks and people, and, uh, you know, the ordinary people in the street will get their access to that money as well. Maybe that will happen. You know, quantitative easing is basically giving money to the 1%. So if the 1% only has the money, and of course they don't spend it on the ordinary people, that's why. That is the reason why the currency doesn't get devalued, because the 1% holds onto it and keeps it exclusive. But as soon as you start issuing it out to every single mom, dad, and every little household in the economy, then of course it does. It does cause the currency to, to, to devalue. But nevertheless, let's give Ace his head. Let him go and stampede his way to Congress, the United States, the European Central Bank, to Brussels. Then we're going to show, yes, yeah, we can also do this. Let's go and show the world how ridiculous quantitative easing is. And I think the best, the best mascot to show how ridiculous quantitative easing is, is Ace Magoshule. I think he needs to keep his shades, keep his shady character and keep his shady friends and take his whole army across to Washington, to London, to Brussels, to Frankfurt, to Amsterdam. And let's have a party, Ace. Go and have a party. It won't be long before the, the uh, blinkers are going to be falling from the people's eyes. And people are going to be saying, yes, the dollar is worthless. Yes, the euro is worthless. Yes, this quantitative easing is a fraud. It is a scam. It is a sham and needs to be stopped. Ace Magasule, you go, China. Pambiri, Pambiri, Pambiri. Yeah, well... Now let's go and see if we can have time to get through a lot of the other news that has been coming across our way today. Uh, drug maker Insys Therapeutics fire for bankruptcy protection today amid mountain expenses driven by a U.S. Justice Department probe into claims that it paid doctors bribes to prescribe a powerful opioid medication. And isn't this funny? You know, the United States goes into Afghanistan where before the United States coming, Afghanistan had cut its uh, 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 heroin or opium production by 95% under the Taliban. 
um, they had got rid of this. The United States gets in and immediately, boof, it's back to its pre-war levels. Now the United States has got an opioid uh, epidemic. Yeah, in South Africa, you can go to a public hospital. If you're in a, in a unit, in a hospital unit that deals with pain, I was in there in the burn unit, um, uh, Chris Honey Baragon with burn unit a few years ago. Uh, my hand, uh, whole hand, my left hand was burnt making popcorn. Popcorn pot exploded. There's just a little, um, this is an aside thing. Yeah, I know I'm, 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 I'm wandering off topic again. Uh, you know what? If you put a pot in a stove that's got oil in it, never put a lid in it and let it get hot. As soon as you take the lid off, it's going to suck uh, air into into the pot. It's going to cause water vapor as a result of the air rapidly, rapidly heating up. The water vapor is going to fall into the oil and the oil is going to explode into flames. Well, this was happening to me a few years ago. I landed on my hand. And I ended up being Chris Hanley Baragwanath units, uh, burn units with uh, third degree burns in my hand. Um, so, yeah, you know, I had to go extensive uh, rehabilitation. Uh, but, uh, and they were just injecting us with, uh, with morphine. My mother said, no, don't let them inject you with morphine, just take the, the pills. So that's what I did. Uh, and the nurses said, yeah, it's a regular problem uh, at the burn unit. People uh, who were in the burn unit come and bang in and say, say they need the injection. They've got terrible pain. They've got terrible pain. And uh, it's happening in the cancer war. People are given, uh, people are given um, um, what's it called? Uh, I, just, I just said the name of the drug now. Um, uh, the, the, the big painkiller. It's not opium. It's um, anyway. Uh, they they give them a ball. They 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 just squash the ball, and uh, and they pump themselves full of heroin. Um, uh, and so and so uh, that means that uh, heroin. Uh, um, what is the medical term for heroin? Um, I can't believe it. Uh, the the word has just escaped my head. Anyway, the opioid um, as they have come to America in a big way, and the big drug firms have been turning. Americans into opioid addicts are bribing doctors to prescribe powerful opioid medication. So today's chapter, chapter 11 bankruptcy filing marked a first for a drug maker accusing lawsuits of helping fuel the deadly U.S. opioid epidemic that has basically been uh, started by the invasion of Afghanistan in 2001. And it came just days after INSIS struck a $225 million settlement with the Justice Department. The department is now INSIS's largest unsecured creditor due to Wednesday's accord, which resulted in a subsidiary pleading guilty to fraud charges and the company entering into a deferred prosecution agreement. The bankruptcy filing came after a federal jury in Boston in May found INSIS founder John Kapoor and four other former executives guilty of engaging in a racketeering conspiracy centered on its fentanyl sprays, subsis. Chandler, Arizona-based INSIS, said it filed for bankruptcy in U.S. bankruptcy court in the District of Delaware to facilitate the sale of its assets, including subsis. INSIS listed $175.1 million in assets and $265 million in debt. Um, the shares in INSIS fell 66% to $0.44 cents in pre-market trading. Subsis is an under-the-tongue spray the U.S. Food and Drug Administration approved in 2012. Mm. For treating pain in cancer patients, it contains fentanyl, an opioid 100 times stronger than morphine. 
That's the name of uh, the drug. That name, you've got morphine balls. You can go to the, you, you can sit in the, um, in the, the, the cancer ward uh, in, in Barra. Uh, they, they, they give you cancer balls to take home. They give you cancers, I mean, not cancer balls, they give you morphine balls to take home. You just inject it into your arm, and every time the pain starts taking over, you just squash the ball a little, just squirt a bit of morphine into your blood. And there you go. Sure, okay, you know, it's a hard, uh, it's a hard time, the, 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 the last stages of cancer. Uh, I know personally myself, uh, both with my wife, um, close friends, my own sheikh, uh, you know, looking after a person in cancer in the last days is very hard. It's very difficult. Uh, and pain, it can be a major issue. But with morphine, it basically falls into the background. But with people who are coming off these, who, who, who do recover, they can recover from, uh, from the original problem, but then they find themselves with the morphine addiction. And that is very difficult to throw. A prosecutor's alleged that Kapoor, as his chairman, that while Kapoor was his chairman, insists from 2012 to 2015, used sham speaker programs as, as a means to pay doctors bribes to prescribe substance to patients, many of whom who did not have cancer. Substance net revenues during that time grew from $8.6 million in 2012 to $329 million in 2015. That is a lot of pills. And it's 100% stronger than morphine. It's a hundred percent stronger than than um um uh, no no heroin. It's a hundred percent stronger than heroin. Can you imagine a doctors being bribed to say take this, take this, take this? Can you imagine what that what what that leads to? The Justice Department probe led to multiple people being charged, including Kapoor, Insus's majority shareholder, in October 2017. On the same day, U.S. President Donald Trump declared the opioid crisis a public health emergency. Opioids were involved in a record 47,600 U.S. overdose deaths in one year alone in 2017. 47,000 people dying of drug overdoses. Imagine that. In a bankruptcy court filing, INSA's chief executive, Andrew Long, said sales of substances have declined substantially due to increased national security of opioid, opioid prescribing. He said that sales decline was more than INSA's could withstand when coupled with the investigation and more than 1,000 lawsuits by municipal governments seeking to hold it responsible for the epidemic. Hmm? You know, this is slightly over 100 years after the United States had had sailed its warships along with Britain, France, and Germany up the Yellow River in uh, in China in order to enforce their right to sell heroin to the Chinese. The Chinese government was trying to stop them from turning their nation into a nation of drug addicts. So they sailed their their ships up the Yangtze River and uh, blew the the smithereens out of uh, the... um, the royal palace, the forbidden city, where it was the traditional uh, home of, of the emperor, the Chinese emperor. Mm. Now, now, America is facing a major opioid epidemic. That's after it went into Afghanistan and restarted the heroin trade there. It's like the wheel turning. Uh, the wheel is turning. Yes, indeed, it is turning. Other opioid manufacturers are facing similar lawsuits, including OxyContin, uh, maker Purdue Pharma, which has considered filing for bankruptcy and litigation. 
Uh, wider news today, entertainment group Multichoice says it's bullish about its trading profit for the financial year ending uh, March 31, but the same cannot be said for its net earnings. So basically it's saying we've become a more effective, more efficient operation. We've cut costs and we've boosted profits on an operational level, but unfortunately when it comes to handing it out to shareholders, uh, the same cannot be said. Core headline earnings a share expected to be between 8% and 12% higher, according to a trading statement today, higher than the previous year's earnings of $0.374 cents a share. Um, the trading profit is expected to be between 9% and 30% higher than the previous year's reported 6.3 billion rand. This was a result of improved financial performance of its subscriber growth and reduced losses in this rest of Africa business segment. However, it expects losses per share overall, despite all of this, all the hard work that his workers have put in. Well, the directors and the auditors have said um, you're going to make a loss uh, between 724 cents and 800 cents, lower than the prior reported year. Uh, the group attributes this to having to account for a 5% stake in multi-choice uh, being hived off to an empowerment partner. Well, they didn't say that when they launched multi-choice. Mm. Now it comes out. Yeah. Well, I can tell you what. And multi-choice, as far as I can tell, is going to be far worse a position in two years' time. Basically, they're taking all the bad stuff and leaving it behind while they head off to Europe to go and start their trillion rand plus uh, boutique uh, IT uh, company for Europe. A European champion. Why not an African champion? Uh, Okay, well, okay, they're going. I wonder I wonder if they're going to be able to persuade the Reserve Bank to allow them to take the money out of the country. <laughs> well, I can assure you that if uh, De Beers was able to take uh, their um, entire diamond hoard out of the country, that the apartheid government had allowed them, hadn't allowed them to take all the time during apartheid, well, I'm sure it'll be just another similar little bribe uh, paid to another government official, and that money will be going overseas. Well, you know, they're going to have to, okay, to the cabinet, you know, the finance minister. Well, let's not go into details. Let's not go into details, because, of course, Tito Mawene would never take that kind of money. No one in the ANC would do something like that. Google has warned the Trump administration it, lists, it risks compromising U.S. national security if it goes ahead with export restrictions on Huawei and has asked to be exempted from any ban. Uh, the Financial Times reports today, citing three people briefed on the conversation. Senior officials at the U.S.-based tech giant have warned it won't be able to update its Android operating system on Huawei's phones, prompting the Chinese company to develop its own version of the software. There's a, they say that uh, the Huawei-modified version of Android could be more vulnerable to hacking risks. It won't be as good as Google's, they say. Uh, so um, people using Huawei phones will then uh, be vulnerable to hacking, and this could cause security problems for the United States. But in actual fact, the real reason why they're doing that is, uh, uh, is that Huawei has uh, started to develop an alternative operating system, and it can do so very quickly. Such a scenario presents several risks to Google. If Huawei develops its own version of Android, the search giant won't control it, that Google won't control it, so it can't manage security upgrades or read the consumer data that makes its services useful and fuels advertising revenue. Yeah, all right. So Google is going to get hurt um, with this whole thing. And uh, that is because the world is going to be divided between the Huawei world and the rest of the world. 
and the Huawei world is going on to 5G, and they're going to get their, their Android updates anyway, and uh, Google is not going to be able to sell all of your data to all of the advertisers who want to buy it so desperately from it. So your data is going to remain safe with Huawei, but if it goes the way of Google, Google is going to sell all of your data to all of the advertisers. That's the upshot of the whole thing. All right, so Tom got Hewlett has requested the suspension of its listing on the JSE amid an investigation. Hmm, isn't it sad? You know, one time South African companies should pride themselves on honesty and openness. <laughs> Stop laughing in the background there, boys. Yes, okay. And uh, now you've got uh, Steinoff. Turns out that everyone has been cheating on property valuations of all of their property because they have to buy stores all over the country. Tom got Hewlett, somebody wake it, woke up the same kind of thing and realized, hey, you know what, if we're going to grow sugar cane, we've got to grow it on land. That means that we're major property owners. So, well, what is the value of our property portfolio? And get a few uh, thumbsuckers on board, um, just as we explained like a few days ago, how they did it at um, Master Bond and now they have been doing it for centuries. This is a hallmark of corruption in the property sector. Uh, you go and you evaluate the property. You say this probably, this probably was just a patch of dirt one day, uh, which is worth nothing. No one wants to buy it. You can go back the next day and you say, all right, a property development company wants to buy this property. I want to turn it into a township. That means that this property has a potential value of 15 million rands, and we can sell it today for 1.5. I'm valuing this property today at 1.5 million rands. Whereas yesterday it was just a patch of dirt. Today it's worth 1.5 million rands. Somebody comes and actually buys a property for 1.5 million rands. Now he goes over to the property developers. He goes and gets it rezoned for residential purposes and maybe even industrial purposes. Now he says it's worth 15 million rands. Now, oh, oh. No, of course, it's still the same patch of dirt. So anyway, they've been doing the same kind of thing uh, at Tongard Hewlett. Uh, according to a shareholder notice issued this afternoon, the company's listing of both the JC and London Stock Exchanges has been suspended. This decision by the board comes following a delay in the publication of the company's financial results. Shareholders were advised in May, uh, on May 31, the financial results for March 31, 2018 can't be relied on and will be restated. This is implication for the reliance of the interim results and owing to the board's concerns that there's insufficient information in the market to enable investors to make informed decisions. They have voluntarily approached the JSE to request a suspension of the listing. JSE granted the suspension and the board intends to publish audited financial statements for the year ended March 31, 2019 by end of October 2019. So, you're probably going to see a suspension of, uh, of the listing until then at least. They say it's protecting investors. Why didn't they try to protect investors before they started re-evaluating uh, their property portfolio? Steinoff has applied to have its former chief executive, Market Eurster, joined as a third party to a court case brought against Steinoff by the former owners of Techie Town. According to court papers, uh, the application was launched in the Cape High Court on Friday. Yours has 10 days to indicate whether he's going to oppose the matter, um, and then a further 20 days to uh, submit a defense. Former Ticket Town owners initiated the case against Steinoff last May uh, and uh, obtained an urgent in interdict in the Cape High Court preventing Steinoff from dealing with its controlling stake in Pepco in any way that would prevent the return of the Ticket Town shares and business to the claimants. 
Bernard Mostert, one of the former owners of Tiki Town, told Fin24, when we are successful against Steinhoff, will rely on this motion to claim damages from Eurster. And that means that Eurster will then be the former owners of Tiki Town want to have their stake in Tiki Town returned or alternatively to be paid 1.8 billion rands in compensation. That's after they in 2016 exchanged a controlling stake in the business for shares in Steinhoff. Just a year later, those shares were worthless. And uh, there are very strong indications that the Steinhoff guys knew that this was going to be the case. So, um, uh, if uh, if you do get Eurster uh, joined uh, as a third party, um, uh, that means that they will be able to turn on Eurster and start claiming money directly from him. That's all we have time for for today. Unfortunately, we couldn't get through to everything. I really need to stop being so long-winded, don't I? Jazak Mala for joining us. I make dua that whatever trading activity you got up to today has been profitable. And above all, halal. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.